Welcome, everyone, to the Why God Why podcast. My name is John Amayo. I am one of the hosts here. Alongside me, as always, is the one, the only, Peter Englert. And uh, today we have a special podcast for you all. I know you guys have been anticipating this for quite some time, as I know I have, at least ever since last week when we launched the Why God, why would someone marry John Amayo podcast? Uh, now we're we're following that up with the Why God, Why Would Somebody Marry Peter Englert podcast? And this is going to be a question that no doubt gets shared on social media over and over and over again many times. I am excited about it. And uh, we are also blessed to have Peter's wife, Robin Englert here in our very midst, who I am excited to welcome to the Why God po- Why God Why podcast. That's a tough one to say, but uh, welcome, Robin. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, this will be fun. <laughs> this is great. Um, Peter, how are you feeling about this moment? How did you feel? I felt, yeah, strangely about- calm, strangely excited. Uh, but somewhat apprehensive about the questions you were going to ask me because I didn't know. Well, th- there so, you go. There you I go. think I think I feel the same way, and uh, you know we're going to have some fun today. Yeah, good, good. We are going to have some fun today, and I get to lead it, so this is fun. <laughs> it's actually going to be more fun for me than it is for you. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of what you tell your kids before you spank them. You know, uh, <laughs> not not that there's actually you know this is going to be more painful than it is. No, anyway, I don't know that maybe. Anyway, we don't need to get into the idea of corporal punishment here on this one. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> So let me just start this way, okay? Why, God, why would somebody marry Peter Englert? Let's go to that moment, all right, when you guys first met. Let's start at the baseline there. And then we're gonna kind of do some time warp. We're gonna do some time travel based off of that. But I I want that to be the moment we kind of go to. Mm -hmm. What, when was it? What were the circumstances around it? How did this all play out when you guys first met? Well, that's a great question. Um, So I was a part of a group here at Browncroft. It's now called the Young Professionals. Um, At that time, it was called Gap. And we would do a retreat once a year. Um, And so I went on that retreat. Um, Now, Browncroft is in New York. And we had a speaker from Pennsylvania because our um, the coordinator, her brother is a pastor and the pastor from Pennsylvania. um, His wife was pregnant at the time. And so he invited one of his single friends. He said, hey, man, you're my only single friend. Um, Come to me with this retreat just so that I, you know, kind of have somebody there. So, um, so Peter was that friend who came to this retreat. So ah, the pastor's friend, the pastor's friend. Wow. Yes. Okay. So Peter and I met just in a very casual, you know, kind of environment. I think our first conversation was at breakfast, you know, kind of the Saturday morning and he sat next to me, not because of sparks. It was mm-hmm. literally the only seat left. And so God. it was kind of by default. Um, but yeah. I think that sometimes God works in, you know, kind of mysterious ways <laughs> that that was the only seat left. Um, so that's where we met. Um, but, you know, to kind of crap, you know, crush all of the romantic comedy dreams, it was not love at first sight. There were not sparks flying. You know, we had a nice conversation with everyone at the table and went on our way. Um, and so, you know, we met there at the time Peter was, um, working for college and he was admissions counselor. So he lived in Pennsylvania. Um, and so at the end of the retreat, you know, we didn't exchange numbers or wasn't anything like that, but, 
he did friend request me on Facebook. Ah. And so there you go. I don't know if that's so you knew that was something. Now. Well, maybe because <laughs> there was a whole bunch of people that he friend requested. If I looked closer, uh. it wasn't a ton of females, but mm-hmm. I wasn't exploring that. And I was like, okay, like he lives in Pennsylvania. A month after he came up for a college fair and we had coffee mm-hmm. and then no contact. And a month after that, so now we're in November, he came back and had another college visit um, and we had coffee again. And at this time, I'm thinking, I said to him, oh, you must just have people in all the cities that you go to where you talk to and, you know, to kind of, because mm-hmm. he's an extrovert to kind of pass the time. And he goes, not really. And then it started to light something up for me. (laughs) So I may have been a little bit slow with that, uh, but I was just enjoying a good conversation with a friend and getting to know him. And, you know, we, you know, we had a great time talking. So at the end of that coffee time, he did ask for my number. And, you know, then we started talking and going forward from there. Wow. So you, he was in the friend zone to begin with. Yes. And then... Yeah, you he got your number, and then you thought, well, maybe I'll move him out of the friend zone. Maybe I'll keep him in the friend zone. What were you thinking at that point? Um, I think it was he lives in Pennsylvania. We can text, we can talk, and we'll just see, sure. you know, what's happening. But I was pretty settled in my, you know, kind of where I was living and in my career, kind of um, with that. And I wasn't sure, you know, if he was open to moving. So I mean, obviously, we weren't talking about that yet. Right. Um, but. But it was, let's just keep texting. And then after our first like official date, which was Christmas time when he was in the area um, on break, then it was, okay, This there's something different about this guy. There's, you know, I want to keep talking to him. I want to, to know more. And I just enjoy... Um, I enjoy kind of what he brings out in me, but how mm. he challenges me um, and just the fun that that we had in long distance. A lot of it was just talking. Yeah. Um, and so you learn a lot about people pretty quick when you do that. So Yeah, yeah. And you're how old at this point? I'm in my late 20s, so I think 27 Gotcha. Late 20s. Okay, all right, good. Okay, I got the snapshot, yep. I think, of that moment. Now, Peter... This is all told from Robin's perspective. How about you in this moment? You you serendipitously only have one seat to sit in at this place. Are you thinking anything in this moment? Like what's going through your mind? You know, I'm thinking about last week with your like just like Robin said, it it wasn't like there was this huge aha. Yeah. Like I I think I just kind of this is the next step to take. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my friend Joe, uh, so Joe's like six feet, eight inches. Yeah. I'm not six feet, eight inches. <laughs> um, so like, I, I think Robin, she wouldn't say this, but I would, cause it's funny. She's like, oh, it's so sweet. Like it was nighttime when she first saw us. She's yeah. like, he brought his son. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it looks so cuddly. And it's like a little Ewok next yeah. to Chewbacca. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but uh, sure. I don't know. I'm an Ewok too, so it works. Uh, you know, yeah. You anyway. know, we're, we're brothers from another That's mother. right. Um, but, you know, when I talked with Robin, Joe kept on saying, he's like, you got to get this girl's number. Like, and I was like, I don't want to like move too fast. Mm. And like, you know, I, I felt like at least in my experience, the women in my life, like I was very like, just let's go. 
Mm -hmm. you know, let's, you know, and I felt like for this one, like she's like a butterfly. If you breathe wrong, she'll fly away. Mm. And, um, so I got friends. So was that out of, out of like, you were like, wow, I really want to kind of like her, but I'm kind of afraid of that. Or what was that like going on? What was going on underneath the surface there? Like, you know, you're describing that and I'm kind of, you know, pulled I, into your experience. I didn't know what I wanted. Mm. And I think that that probably, and Robin's shaking her head right now. I think that that's what helped us. So like, just to be like completely transparent from like high school to the end of college. Yeah. I like pursued eight women, mm -hmm. like just. That's hey, a that's a very Christian term, pursued yeah, eight yeah. women. So like, what does that mean? Like, like some people might think that's kind of I was stalking eight no, women. No, I, well, okay. no, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't trying to. You know, but I'm just saying, but Christian like, I, culture has these terms oh, sometimes. Exactly. That, yeah, the other so people like, don't understand. I would try to like ask out, yeah, like these eight women, and like they were like it was all no, and yeah. like even one of the women that I asked out in college. Like she was completely the opposite. Like, and she married one of my friends. Right. And I was like, what, what were you thinking? Mm. You know? And even by this point, like I made, and I'm so glad you clarified Christian culture. Like it was such a big deal to me to ask someone out. Mm. If I could have done singleness over again, I probably would have just gone out with more females, not for dating, but just what's it like? And I had kind of gotten there, but with Robin, like I was at a place and I, I think I totally agree with her. We were at a place that because of the distance, it wasn't a big deal. Right. So like we could ask someone out and like going to church and dating, it's kind of weird because mm -hmm. people are like, oh, they're sitting together. Yeah. You know, oh, you know, they're, you know, in the same small group together. And like the long distance part of that removed that like- mm. I don't think my friends knew. So I would leave gathering with my friends at like 845 on the dot. And I wish we were sponsored by Apple, but literally <laughs> I I owe a lot of our relationship to Apple FaceTime. Mm -hmm. Like we were FaceTiming anywhere from five to seven nights a week um, from about like nine to 10 o'clock at night. Um, if we weren't FaceTiming, we were on the phone. And so what that allowed was that allowed us to actually just keep talking with each other. So I don't think I had any expectations. Right. And just kind of looking back at all of that, you know, and honestly, like you, you ask it like I was premeditated. I think a lot of people think that I'm premeditated mm -hmm. and not even in the bad way, like you're pre-deciding. Right. Like I just thought, let's go out for coffee. Right. I don't even know. And like you talked about the friend zone. Right. I'm not even sure like we were acquaintances and dating. And I'm not saying that that's right for everybody, right. but just the nature of a long distance relationship, we got to know each other really, really fast, mm. but in a safe sort of way. Okay. So you're how old at this point? I'm three and a half years younger than Robin. So okay. mid twenties, mid twenties. Yeah. Mid twenties. Okay. So let me take you both back then. Okay, that's gonna be our starting point is when you guys met. So yeah, quite a starting point. Let's take you back a little before that. Let's take you each back a year before that time, before you'd even 
cross paths at all. So kind of put yourself back into that mindset. Robin, if you would, 26-year-old Robin, mm -hmm. okay? Um, what were you looking for in a potential someone that you would have a romantic relationship with? What did you kind of envision that being? What, what type of a person? So I did watch too many romantic comedies, and so it wasn't <laughs> realistic necessarily. Gotcha. But I think, um, you know, I always had a desire to get married. I always, you know, knew that that was a heart, something that I longed for. Mm. But I also, I think that I did have some unrealistic expectations. Mm. And um, I had some maybe some apprehensions going along with what Peter said about, okay, if you start talking to somebody, then all of a sudden there's this added pressure. Other people are going to start asking you, or they're going to be like, oh, I saw you talking to so-and-so, like what's going on there, which is nice and supportive, but that was pressure that I, I didn't want. Mm. Um, and so I think I was, um, I was searching for not necessarily a list of physical characteristics, characteristics, but but attributes of someone that you know would compliment me, someone that I would really you know kind of could see myself with long term. Mm -hmm. My profession is also I'm a I'm a mental health therapist, and so I have worked with couples. I've worked with you know kind of premarital assessments and all of that stuff. Yeah. So so I had you know kind of a different kind of perspective of of what I was looking for than maybe mm -hmm. some other people. Um, but I would say the year before I met Peter, one of the things, you know, I still had the longing to get married. I still, you know, kind of had that desire to meet somebody and to date. Um, but I was challenging myself, okay, you know, one of the things you have to do is maybe somebody doesn't meet every, you know, um, every checkbox on the mm. paper. Can you get to know them and go to coffee once or twice mm -hmm. um, and just get to know them and say yes? I did read a lot of books about that. You know, there's there's good <laughs> stuff out there and then there's other stuff that, you know, is just silly. But um, but I think for me, the year before was really where can I open up a little bit more, even just to friendships, not just looking for a spouse, because mm -hmm. um, that just narrows it too much. Um, right. And a big, a big component of our marriage is that we're really great friends. Um, and I love that. And so I was starting to think a year before, if I'm going to marry someone, I do want them to be my best friend. So why not, you know, get to know people? And and I think a big, um, a big thing that helped me really was just say yes, like, you know, regardless, unless there's like, huge red flags sure. with us, you know, somebody, but just say yes, get to know somebody. You don't have to, you're not committing to more than coffee. Mm -hmm. You're not committing to, you know, kind of more than, you know, this and, and take that opportunity to see what you enjoy, what you don't. Um, cause it dating also helps you get to know yourself a lot more and exposes, you know, the good and the bad too. So, uh, I think I was doing a lot of, uh, self-reflection also. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned, you mentioned your, your job as a mental health counselor mm -hmm. or a therapist. Mm -hmm. uh, you said there were probably some expectations based off of that, that you had, that you were bringing in that you were like, well, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if all these really line up or not. Yeah. Like what were some of the things that you had to kind of let go of? Not necessarily because it was, you know, not true of Peter, but just in general, I would imagine sometimes you can almost know too much for your own good. Yeah, like, it, yeah. it, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but like. Well, no, yeah. it, it does make sense because then yeah. 
and and I could have a tendency to overanalyze then. And gotcha. so, oh, I see this. So I think that was even just not trying. I'm not going to have all of the information mm. at the first date. I'm not going to have all the information even in the first couple of months, which is why I do encourage people, you know, if you are dating, like, don't rush into it. You know, take your time to get to know somebody. Do you know enough that you want to go on a next date with them? Mm. You might not know if you want to marry them, but do you know enough that, yeah, I want to spend more time with them? Yeah. Um, and and I think that that is one of the expectations I had to let go. It, like, I'm not going to know everything. And especially when somebody's in another state, I don't know his friends. I don't know this I did know the pastor, um, his sister, pretty well. And so I was like, okay, I can trust that he's not, you know, just kind of this off-the-wall person. But, um, but you know, I, I had to set aside some of those expectations that I'm going to thoroughly know, mm-hmm. you know, more than is realistic. Um, and I will say this probably was something that, you know— I don't know if Peter was as excited about this, but further along in our relationship, when we had talked about marriage and all that stuff, I told him, I am so excited for premarital counseling. (laughs) Because I was like, I can't wait for what it's going to bring up and how it's going to grow us. And uh, I don't know if he did a great job. We had great mentors who took us through the uh, Prepare and Rich curriculum. But but I was very excited about that even before I met my husband, uh, before I met Peter, because I'd been trained in it. So I was like, hey, whoever it is, I got our premarital work. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Holy cow. That's amazing and daunting at the same time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Peter's a good man for uh, for putting up with me. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, this is cool. What a cool story. So, Peter, how about how about you? Describe yourself during that phase of life, like mid-20s, never, you know, maybe a little early, early 20s at this point. Like, yeah. you're before you met Robin. What are you envisioning as that? Like, you're asking, you know, these these ladies out, you know, what are you envisioning the the perfect sure um so i'm gonna say this but i'm not gonna say this in the cliche type way like Mm. there was a healthy amount of i don't care Mm. like so i think when married people or dating people say that to single people it's like you know like when you stop caring you're gonna find someone like i was always looking for someone i'm just Mm. gonna be honest and say that but going back to like i went on dates And I started to just, I don't care if she says yes or no, like, I'm just going to ask. Yeah. And like, you know, so, you know, even in that year, I took steps that I probably wouldn't have in the past. And I think that that revealed more of my anxiety Mm -hmm. of that. And I also think that that year was really like a career focus. Like I... I knew I always wanted to be a pastor, but I had this higher ed experience and I even considered like being a president of a college, like, so should I get my master's and then my PhD? So I I think I had come to a healthy place that I was good. So like one other quick little thing, like, so I had this friends group and there was nine of us mm. and within a year, there was two couple there was two couples married and then two couples formed and there just wasn't enough females for me mm. so i had you were had, literally the odd man out i was literally the ninth wheel yeah yeah like or 11th wheel or, or like and yeah. just whoever the amoeba of friends were and 
I'll be honest, like I didn't handle that well. Mm. Like I had thought on Friday nights, these couples are getting together and here I am sitting alone in a Starbucks by myself. And like, I regret not reaching out to other relationships, but I also regret the pressure that I put on my friends. Cause now when I got married, I realized like, I don't want to go anywhere on a Friday night. Mm. Like I don't want to do. And I think I was, you know, and you talked about this a lot. I was so afraid of being alone Mm. And I spent so much of my job hearing about other people's dreams mm-hmm. that I couldn't articulate this back then, but I could now. I was like, does anybody care about my dreams? Mm. Does anybody care? And even when people would ask me, it's like I would like, well, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Right. And um, so I think over that year, I had gotten to this healthy place of your friends love you and care about you they're in the middle of a huge life transitions, getting married, having kids. And you have some like pretty cool freedom. And I also think sometimes God puts you in a season of being alone. Like I actually, in some senses miss those lonely Starbucks nights, not because, you know, not because like, I want to go back to those feelings, but like, I think God was kind of, bringing my security away from friends and putting unrealistic expectations on people. I don't know if Mm. that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a stage that a lot of us have to go through of kind of releasing those expectations on other people, you know, that we have in order to have a healthy relationship, Mm. you kind of need to go through that, that process, you know? So, man, that's that's super helpful. So let's take another time, tra- uh, travel in the time machine again now. So we've gone kind of when you met, we traveled to before you met. Now let's travel to kind of that moment that you, if there was one where you can kind of go, oh my goodness, this is starting to feel really real right now. Like, I think I'm, this might be the person for me. Uh, do you have one of those moments Yes. Um, I would say, I think that Peter and I, Peter's a little quicker than I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And so (laughs) I think his moment came a little bit quicker, but, um, but it was around the same time when we were talking about, you know, we were long distance. It was six hours apart, depending on who drove, maybe five and a half. Um, But, um, (laughs) but, you know, that, you can only do that for so long. And so that was a big turning point. Okay, one of us is going to have to move, Mm. um, you know, and what does that mean? And I had said um, at some point, you know, I've, I I had said, you know, if we do get married or, you know, I want to live in the same zip code or same region, you know, before we get engaged, just because I have seen, I have some friends, um, you know, I've seen different relationships where they were long distance the whole time and then they got married and it was just, there was different challenges than they had anticipated. Mm. Um, and, and it does it like not, some of the couples have, you know, kind of grown through that. However, I learned, I want to make sure that we do have, you know, kind of that same zip code experience. Um, And so that was in the summer of 2011, 2011, because you moved up here in 2012, right? 
Oh, no, no. Okay. Yeah. 2012. Yeah. Um, sorry. I'm not great with dates. Um, so uh, so it was in the summer of 2012. And and this is one of, you know, kind of Peter's favorite conversations that he likes to tell people we had. Um, we were talking. <laughs> you and- guys have those stories too, huh? Where yeah. it's like, oh, this is the one that Peter tells. Yeah. This is, Laura's the same way. No, yeah. John tells this one. Yeah. Anyway, go so ahead. I'll put my Robin spin on it. Yeah, that's good. Say it how Peter does. Yeah. We had a conversation <laughs> and he was thinking about changing jobs and there was one you know, down in Pennsylvania, um, or he'd be looking up in Rochester. And this is in the summer. And I was like, for 24 hours, I was like, okay, I can move to Pennsylvania. We can do this. And I was like, I would support you. And then like 24 hours later, I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't think I can do this. And, and I just completely changed. So Peter's take on that is we had a conversation and it goes, one per- one of us is going to move. And Robin always says, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Which probably is true. But at that point, um, you know, it just it made sense practically. Um, but and that's not always how you should make decisions. But I do think that weighs into it. Um, and so for us, but at that moment, when he was looking to move up to Rochester and coming up here, I was like, okay, you know, this is not that it wasn't real before, but this is taking it to the next level. And, you know, something is is going to change. And mm. then. Yeah. So what was there about that? that that really made that sink into you like obviously somebody willing to make the move yeah. that's a big deal mm-hmm. um what else was there for you that as you looked at that you went wow there's somebody that i'm actually considering like this is a big moment for us so i think another thing that made it real to me was we would see each other, but it would be like for long weekends. And now yeah. it's, you're going to see somebody the Monday through Friday. So how do they handle stress? How do they, you know, what are their little, you know, kind of um, wonderful qualities at home? And not, and we didn't live together, but even just kind of some of the, um, you know, kind of the, the house cleaning or stuff like that. Like you just get to see that, mm-hmm. which you don't know. And so what that means to me is that's a little bit more exposure and more vulnerability. And so I was like, okay, like this is the next level level of that vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. So something vulnerability is something that you really mm-hmm. value mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. crave and thought. I, yep. I need that out of somebody. Yes. I need to see that vulnerability. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I have to feel safe to be vulnerable with that person. Uh, and that's a big right. thing for me, you know, and, and like I said, like I had all these expectations and I was pretty, um, you know, kind of, I held them tightly. And so it was, um, one of the things like now I can't hold everything as tightly. I have to let him in even more. Mm. And so that was, that was a growing experience for me. Peter learned how to, you know, kind of encourage me with that. Sometimes he would tell you, I didn't have to encourage her. She just talks, <laughs> uh, which is true. Um, but, but also, you know, just kind of the, the safety that he provided to listen, to ask, you know, those, those thoughtful questions to, you know, let me have different emotions and not try to fix them, um, you know, those were some things that kind of helped create that safety so that we could, you know, kind of, I could be more vulnerable and we could go to that next level. Mm-hmm. And that takes a vulnerability on your part, Peter, to actually put yourself in that position to move across, you know, not across the country, but, you know, across state lines, you had to move. To, to, that takes a certain amount of vulnerability to do that. But you had kind of gotten to that place from what Robin is saying. You had kind of gotten to that place of, oh, this is the woman that I kind of feel like I'm, you know, this this is my future right here before her. What was that process like for you? 
When well, did you know? Or like what was, yeah. what, I don't know if it was a process or a time or sure. what it was. Sure. So let me just give you kind of a background. Like, so when I went to college as a high schooler, you know, my number one priority was career. Mm. So I'm going to become a pastor and, you know, my goal is someday to write a book, you know. I, I hope to go to seminary and find a church where I'm the pastor in waiting. And then like, I'm going to preach every week. And I kind of saw, and pastoring is one of those weird careers that there's something about being married. So even as I look back, like I almost pursued relationships and marriage as like, I need to check this box for my career. Mm. Almost like a means to an end. Exactly. And like, I don't want it to sound that transactional, but like that was really the anxiety behind me. Like if I don't get married, no church is going to want to hire me, Mm. you know? And so, and I think of like the women that I asked out and there were some that said, yes, it wasn't only like, oh, for eight or so, but like, it just never seemed right. Now, if I decided to commit to one of them, and I think we talked about this last episode, I don't think there's the one, but I definitely was way more career focused and that was kind of overshadowing, putting some pressure. So by the time I got to Robin, you know, I think for both of us, it was just a pleasant surprise. So for me to even be at the place, like I had resolved in my head I might never pastor. Mm. I might work at paychecks. Um, I might, you know, do something else. But Robin's worth it, like to live in Rochester. So there is this this shift of, and again, I, I hope that that doesn't sound like um, like rom coms or something like that. But there there is this shift in my mind that was actually hugely humbling and hugely like you are not your career. You are not what you do like pursue this woman, you know, get married. And people ask me, they're like, was it hard to get engaged? And I said, getting engaged was like the easy part deciding to move. I wouldn't say it was hard. And so Robin talks about there's that we had this weird 24 hours, like, and we were FaceTiming or calling each other pretty much every night. And, one night, Robin's like, I can totally move for you. I can totally do this. And the next like, night, she's like, I can't. Mm. And I think there was about 12 hours where we were figuring out, like, is this really – like, we almost I, – I wouldn't say we almost broke up, but, like, it was in the discussion point. Yeah. Like, I think – like, when I got on the phone – like – it never, it might've been 10% like on my mind. It wasn't like, I was pretty much solidified, but like, I remember calling Robin and like, we're not breaking up. Mm. And I can just remember her. And I didn't do that to make her feel like, I really just believed that. Yeah. And it was funny. I, I just decided, I said, if I get this promotion at the school, I'm not going to take it. And then a few weeks later, I didn't get it. Mm. And, you know, even then I saw God closing doors. And so I just went full court press, get a job at Rochester. Like I was in Rochester, like every other weekend I was on the phone. Anybody that would give me a meeting, I would take. 
And um, yeah. Wow. So it sounds like what you had was like a reorientation of your priorities yeah. during that season of your life. Like you, you reoriented what was most important to you mm -hmm. from my vocation is most important to my relationship is most important mm -hmm. during that season. That's a pretty fundamental shift in how you see the world when that happens. So cool. All right. So both of you guys, let, that, that, that was cool. So let's, let's hop in that time machine one more time and let's fast forward. Let's go all the way past when you got married. Okay. Cause those are all nice, you know, butterfly times. And, you know, we could talk about that maybe another episode, <laughs> but what was that first year like? So now, now putting yourself smack dab in the middle of that first year of marriage. What was that all about? Peter, you seem anxious to answer this question. You, you were actually pointing at yourself during that. I just want to call that out here on the podcast. So anyway, there you go. Uh, Peter, why don't I go to you since you're... <laughs> Since since you seem so eager, let me let me ask you that question first. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I just I'll be quick because I want to hear Rob, but I think this sets it up for Robin. Moving to Rochester wasn't easy. I gave up my friends group, and though now I'm in a small group that Robin started and was existing before, like it was really hard. And then I had a very difficult job that just it wasn't a great fit, and it was kind of the the door closing of staying in higher ed education. Mm. And I just had transitioned on from that job, you know, and then in the middle of that first year, um, you know, this position at Browncroft became open. So there was a lot of just, you know, and after I had transitioned from my first job, there was about two or three months that I was doing nothing. And then I got a job selling cell phones so, like, I think, you know, what seems to be a constant about our relationship was there was career anxiety, which I think there's always a hum, but our relationship was really good at the time. And it's still really good, but, like, there was just some consistency that I think we had from getting to know each other through FaceTime and through the few months there. So that's kind of where I would frame it for Robin to take from there. So you, you're you saying that that you had other things in your life that were kind of going crazy at this point. Yeah. But but relationally, you felt like that was the like a rock during that oh, yeah. time. Okay. Robin, how about you? How, yeah. What was your perspective of that? I would agree with it. I think there was a lot of transitions um, for both Peter and I, you know, just kind of um, with career, with, um, you know, just kind of um, expectations about where career was headed um, that we weren't anticipating. Mm. Um, and so one thing that I think was very helpful is that conflict and kind of those decisions, actually, we could really support and join with each other. And that's something that I'm grateful for, um, because I think that's uh it was it was tough you know i'm not saying i didn't like that part of the you know the transitions but but i think it again gave us a deeper level of trust and dependence on each other that you know kind of right from the starting gate 
Um, and I would say just to kind of jump forward, not too much, but yeah. but I think in other times in our marriage where where we have felt like you know other things are a little bit more consistent, it's easier for us to to kind of have conflict between each other. And so it almost seems like um, you know kind of the the external um, you know kind of stress brought us closer together. And so that- yeah, that's an interesting point. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting point. Something that we don't always think about, right? Mm-hmm. Is that sometimes those things that are kind of outside of our relationship that are stressors can actually sometimes, if we have a healthy relationship, can actually bring us closer together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and I know it's not everybody's experience that way and it depends sure. on it, but but I think for us and the timing and where we were, um, you know, it really did help even, you know, just kind of draw us closer right out of the gate. Yeah. Well, let me let me ask this question. You know, because I, last last episode, Laura and I were talking about our Enneagram numbers. Peter was, mm-hmm. you know, I know you guys mm-hmm. are into the Enneagram mm-hmm. as well. And from what I understand, you know, we have three of us that are twos sitting around this table right now, which is just, you know, it's happy time because all, <laughs> you know, all of us, we just want to make sure each other's okay. That's kind of what we're doing right here. Or, or we're triggering each other. Yeah, or, or we're <laughs> triggering each other, whichever way we do that. But, um, you know, there's... Is that dynamic? How has that worked out for you guys? What are some of the biggest challenges that you guys have faced in your relationship? So that's a great question. Um, I will say Peter and I are both Enneagram twos, but we have different wings. Mm-hmm. So it looks different in us. Like people wouldn't always necessarily uh, assume that we're the same number. Um, and I think that plays out at home too. How we approach situations is still a little bit different. Um, but at the core, both of us want, you know, want to help each other. Um, we just go about it a different way. Mm. Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes that works well and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> so good intentions sometimes don't play out, but you can say more about the Enneagram. Well, no, well, well I mean, I'm curious, what's, you know, what's the biggest thing that you're learning, you know, just about your number makeup? Um, and then I'll share kind of with mine. So What's the biggest thing I'm learning about being a two? Two with a one wing. Two yeah. with a one wing. Hmm. Um, that's a good question. Um, I would say one of the biggest things that I'm learning um, is just that I do have this desire to help people. Um, and I think that that's a beautiful thing. But I also see situations a little different from that where I'm always looking for, you know, kind of where to help somebody or, you know, is there somebody who needs to be included or, you know, this or that. And that can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, one of the things that I'm learning is just how to kind of keep that in check, to to use the, you know, kind of the personality and the gifts that God has given me, um, but not to overextend myself. Um, because then when I come home in our relationship, I'm not as gracious with Peter if I've extended myself outside. Um, and so, um, I want to make sure that, um, that I can still be me, um, but not spread too thin. Mm. And you've both have chosen professions even where that's what you're doing. You're serving people, you're, Mm -hmm. you're trying to help people in that regard. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Peter, how about you? Like in this, with this question? Yeah. Um, you know, so the week that we're recording this, Kobe Bryant died on Sunday. It's Tuesday. And, um, you know, he's got a complicated history. He failed miserably in some areas. But 
the one thing that I look at his life and I think why it's hitting me so hard is he, um, you know, the final picture that we're really going to have with him is him sitting courtside with his daughter Mm -hmm. and like, you know, the people that were around him are saying like he is, he was more happy, more satisfied. And this, I mean, his nickname is the black Mamba. Mm. Like he, he was cutthroat competitive and stuff like that. And I kind of think of my life, you know, as a two with a three, cause threes have a little bit of like, I, I think one of the major differences with Robin and me. So Robin with a two with a one, it's kind of like with you and Laura, Robin is very good at keying in on some of the details. And like, if there's, so relationships win out with her, like she wants to please people, but there's a right way to do things. And mm. me with a two helper with a three, the achiever, I'm kind of like, what's the goal? And as long as we're not doing something illegal, sinful or unlawful, let's just get there. And that works for us and that Mm. works against us. But going back to the reason why I bring up COVID, like there comes a point, whether whatever your personality type or your any that I think Kobe helps us see, which is like to be free Mm. and to value people, not for what they can do for you or their expectations, But, you know, and so that's been like a parable or a snapshot in my life. You know, what does it look like? And in some ways, I'm trying to get to that Peter that first dated Robin, where there was a hum of I want to do something else career wise. But I was mostly just okay. Like, and like, at the end of the day, you know, as twos we invest so much and we hope to get something out of it and that's not completely bad but like even what robin was saying you know we give our leftovers to the people that mean the most to us so like i can get a phone call you know and it's like can you show up for this this and this and i'm there but sometimes when robin's like you know can you at least pick up Haley's toys when i go to bed and and it's like why didn't you just you can perceive that for other people, but not for her. So mm. I think there's a little bit of this freedom that I'm searching for as an Enneagram too, of like, can you help and can you be there for people with no expectations, nothing in the background? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good one. And to have those expectations, maybe even of each other could be a real challenge mm-hmm. in the midst of that. Um, well, and yeah. as a two, it's hard for us to say our expectations yeah. or ask for that help. So yeah. I might have these expectations um, and then get mad at Peter for not living up to them when he doesn't even know why I'm frustrated with him. Right, right. Oh, man, I could we could go down a, a whole road with that one. But I do want to focus on the positive as well. So like what <laughs> what does it look like when you guys are really in sync, when your relationship is going well? And you're functioning just like, man, we're in the zone right now in our relationship. What does that look like? So one thing that I really appreciate about Peter is that he is more extroverted than I am. And that, um, that you know, kind of brings that out in me. And so we have been able to do some uh, some serving together. And one of the things that I really love where I think we complement each other is we do 
surprise, surprise, the premarital counseling, we do mentors. And um, and I love doing that with Peter because I think we both bring our different giftings and he will, you know, kind of challenge or ask questions in a different way than I would. And then I compliment him. And I think that it's, we just kind of get into this rhythm. And that's something that, you know, kind of is most recent in my mind that we've done. But I think when we work really well together, we both are motivated to kind of help to, you know, kind of do that. But we do bring a different skill set and it it's it works really well together yeah yeah so just you see the extrovertedness the Mm -hmm. ability to connect like right out there with people Mm -hmm. and you might have a more thoughtful approach that's Mm -hmm. asking questions that he wouldn't ask and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing yep Peter is very good at talking to people and 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 genuinely being in the conversation and having you know getting to the heart of stuff you know quicker than I am He will talk to, you know, if there's a group of like 15 people, he'll talk to all 15 and I'll be having, you know, kind of the one long conversation. Yeah. And, and, and I think both of those are needed. Um, and, and we've rubbed off on each other. I, I can move on to, you know, kind of maybe two or three, (laughs) but, um, but, but I think that, you know, it's just, it's a nice balance there so that, you know, both of us are tuning into, you know, kind of maybe some of the people who, who are a little less connected or who are having a harder time. Um, or who, you know, we just haven't connected with and we, you know, it's just a positive conversation, but, but I think we do a, a good job of complimenting each other there. Mm. I think there's two things that just kind of come to, we, when we're really in sync, we laugh uncontrollably together. Like, Mm. you know, and like the stuff we say, like if we told you what it was and why we're laughing, like no one would get it. Like, and right. we don't even know why it's funny. Like, <laughs> we're just like, you know, um, and, you know, so I think about that. But, you know, also, I think, you know, just in, you know, we were talking about this before. There's like the crisis moments, you know, when both of us, you know, kind of rise to occasion. I mean, there's things that happen in our professions that, you know, I just see, Robin responding to well and just when we both know mm. our gifting I go back to with Robin you know I I envy her in a healthy way and I'm jealous of her in a healthy way that in the middle of a crowd she can zone like right in and I'm the type of person in the crowd you know I I I can be like that little puppy that like just you know you go and it's quick check-ins and that's part of you know the differences between her like our jobs, like when I was an admissions counselor, it was three to five minute conversations that it's like, what are your dreams? What do you want to major in? Boom, 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 fill out this card. Whereas Robin, I mean, she's spending an hour with a client. Um, And so like in a crowd, I literally have to, hey, can we get coffee? Can we meet, you know, and, you know, at church, like that's how I have to like zone in and focus. But when we're in sync, like that's just... I I think part of it, Robin has taught me to slow down. Mm. And, you know, I think when we're at our unhealthiest is when we see our careers as our identity, when we're at our healthiest is when like, we can just let our careers be there. We're Mm -hmm. faithful, consistent, investing in it. And it, it was funny. I think we were talking about this the other day. 
like you and Laura basically have worked together for what, the last 20 years? Almost. 18. Yeah, 18 years. So like I could never do that. Like and that's <laughs> You'd not You'd be surprised. You actually probably could. Well, but. well, and that has nothing to do with Robin. That has something to do with me. Like one of the weird things about becoming a pastor is like I went to college with people that like they were both pastoral majors and they were going to go pastor and they do it. And I'm sure that they maybe someday will interview like a couple. I just didn't want that. I love that my wife is competent, successful and brilliant. Like, I mean, she's, I mean, we're going all over the place, but like one of the things like I'm most proud of her of is like, she's going through this thing called EMDR training, eye movement, Mm -hmm. (laughs) desensitization and reprocessing. And like, I've heard that's wonderful by the way, but you know, it is, it is. So, (laughs) so like I see her doing that and like bringing into another area, Mm. like, and I love going home and we don't do this well all the time. But, like, to be able to have her be the expert and me just sit and listen, Mm. um, you know, I just love that. Yeah. Which, by the way, Laura's the expert in our relationship, even though we work together. She's still the expert. So just just to let everybody know that. Um, let me take one last trip in the time machine and then sure. we're gonna and then we're gonna close this this puppy up. But I do wanna I do wanna ask this question because I think it's important. Get in the time machine and now go way into the future. Let's take 40 years from now in that time machine. Should should you both still be around in 40 years. I mean, that's kind of a morbid thing, but it's also kind of reality, right? Like who knows how many days you were just mentioning the Kobe thing, you know, who, who knows how many days any of us have, but, but should you still be both here 40 years from now, side by side? What do you want to be true of your relationship? What do you want to look back on and say, like, this is where we're at now, 40 years that's a good question. Um, as I'm thinking, I'm the internal processor, but yeah. I realize I'm on a podcast, so I can't just sit and think. <laughs> well, you could, um, yeah. But it gets dead air. That yeah, that, yeah, well. yeah. Um, but I just bought some time there. So I think in 40 years, one of the things um, that I would love to kind of look back at our relationship and say, and, you know, and I truly mean this, is that, you know, um, Peter and I lived, you know, kind of a marriage, but lives of integrity. We lived, you know, we lived out the calling that God had for us. Whether we stay in the the careers, the vocations that we have now, or we, you know, change that, you know, whatever that looks like, um, that we were, you know, kind of open to that. And, um, you know, just that, that the compassion, um, that compassion just, you know, kind of flows through us and that that was something that people, you know, saw as genuine um, and, you know, that we're kind of real with that. It wasn't just an act. It goes along with the integrity. I might romanticize being like 73 years old because that's 40 years from now. Um, there's a part of me that's excited about that season because um, it's like a, a redating and like, so, I mean, right now, I mean, we, you know, we have an almost two year old and, you know, so this is people, I feel like people either like romanticize the future or the past, but the truth is there's like joy, like in every season and like every parent that I talk to, like 
it's not like there. I mean, there's terrible seasons you might know with preteens. Mm. Sorry, Hayden and Hannah, yeah. we love you. <laughs> um, but you know, like I loved when Haley was like a baby and like she was born at literally the perfect time because I had an excuse to watch March Madness. <laughs> but like. I love now that she's talking and moving, but it's hard. Like she's, she's a two year old. Like a lot of my books have her autographs in it because she found my pen and just started. But like, I hope, you know, for us that like every year we're like kind of rekindling reading and like just seeing what God is going to do through us. Mm -hmm. Like, I think one of the things that I've learned about marriage, like, so people would say like marriage is hard work. And so the picture I had was like the coal mine, like you got to go in the coal mine. Marriage is hard work. Go to the coal mine, dig out the coal. Like it just sounded terrible. But then I think the longer I've been married, it it's more like going to the gym. Like I don't always feel like going to the gym. You know, I don't always feel like eating healthy but I can tell when I am, mm. I can tell like the growth and the strength. And if you're not an athletic person, like it's gardening, you know, if you love gardening, like it's, I'm cutting a little weeds there. Sometimes I cut myself. Sometimes I mess this up, but I like I'm investing. And I think something that Robin and I have been really, it's a gift and a curse for like is our consistency. There's certain things that we hit out of the park consistently, but one little thing that I would just tell people as we're talking about Valentine's Day, uh, I don't think we have new problems. Like the pr same problems that we had when we were dating, like they're the same problems. We it's not like you wake up one day and it's like, you know, I don't know. We have conflict. Like they're all this like chores is a big problem. What I think needs to be done versus what Robin thinks needs, that doesn't change. It just, it gets louder every once in a while in our relationship. Anxiety, like that's always been there. Like the overinvestment in career, that's always been there. It just, like they're the same symptomatic problems. They just come up differently. Mm. And so I look at us as kind of moving, not past those, but just our reaction and responding time have grown and ultimately we become who God created us to be. Yeah. So what you're describing is integrity and kind of this attitude of growth over the years that you hope that 40 years from now, you're able to look back and say, man, we've really grown. And man, we were who we were created. We're who we're created to be at this point. Yep. And the only thing that I would add as I had more time to think is I hope that we're still laughing in 40 years. Cause yeah. I think that that there's going to be junk that happens. You know, we've gone through that personally with friends, with our community, you know, in life, but I think it's, it's even, you know, when I think of laughter, there's a lightness to it. There's kind of joy. And so I hope that, you know, that's something that still is a characteristic in 40 years. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful, guys. Well, we always try to end this with, and and we did this last week with Laura and me. So, you know, whatever, you guys can take this in whatever direction you want. But we always try to end with, how would Jesus answer this question? So maybe Jesus wouldn't answer specifically, why would somebody marry Peter Englert? You know, but why should, why in the world would you get married to, to begin with? What do you think? What do you guys, how would you, how do you think he would answer that question? Peter, you can go first. You know, this morning I was reading this 
crazy story in Genesis. There's this character named Jacob and um, he has a falling out with his immediate family and he has to go uh, to a distant country and find a new wife. And so he, um, long story short, he works 14 years to be able to marry the woman that he wants to marry. And there's all these weird ancient things. So like read it yourself. We don't have time to, but you know, I, I look at those 14 years in Jacob's life, not as karma, like, cause he swindles his brother out of an inheritance and a blessing. And here he is like working 14 years. It's not karma that God was angry at him. Like God revealed himself. It was, no, it really takes this long to get rid of some of the space and the horribleness in your life. And marriage does that. You know, I think about David, you know, in the Bible, the the guy that kills Goliath between him being King and like him finding out that he's going to be King. There's like 20 years. And I think that a lot of times we, we spend so much time trying to, to find the perfect person and decide with that. When I think maybe the majority of our time is commit to the right person and watch what that does to your life. You know, last episode I mentioned, like there's, there's people I know that they like spent seven years dating and I'm like, what, what don't you know, like that you need to know. But, you know, I look at our story to be able to, it like there's a freedom in committing and there's a freedom and vulnerability in saying you're it like God's placed you in my life. And I think what Jesus does is our greatest growth comes in committed, consistent relationships. I mean, the person that has the most influence on my life is my wife. And it's not, that's not gratuitous. Like it's not yes, dear, or yes, honey, or you're right. Like we talk about all those cliches, like you'll hear married men say that, but you know, we, one of the things that Robin does for me is she slows me down, whether it's, I'm going to a bad place, even if I'm going to a good place like Dreamwise. And one of the things that I do for her is I speed her up. I say, hey, you know what? I God brought this opportunity in your life. It might not work out, but that doesn't mean you need to kind of like when we're in sync, I can see how Jesus is kind of forming and bringing us together. So mm. there we go. So as I was thinking about what Jesus would say about marriage, I think commitment is a big thing. And I think he would say, you know, you want to to be in those close relationships that are going to grow you, that are going to um, challenge you. And I was just thinking about 1 Corinthians 13, which is a famous love passage, but love is patient, love is kind. You know, just even starting there as it goes through the different characteristics. If you're in a marriage where you're living those out, that's hard, but it it grows you and it sharpens you. Um, and I also think, you know, there's, as I mentioned, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul wrote that. Paul didn't get married. And so I think even, you know, Jesus, um, you know, what he would say, you know, just about marriage in general is, yes, you know, be committed. If, if you are getting married, do that. But I don't, I also think if you're single, that doesn't mean you're less than. And I think that Jesus sees the value um, of marriage, but I think he also sees the value of individuals. And so it's, um, it, it's not necessarily an either or, but that's probably another podcast. So, but I just wanted to put that out there. Super important too. Well, 
Thanks, guys, for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you, Robin, for joining us. Thanks for having me. This has been unbelievable. I I love how you've given us just a picture of your relationship. And, uh, you know, if I'm around in 40 years, I can't wait to see all the good that you guys uh, end up doing together as a couple. It's going to be amazing. You guys are are very gifted people, and it's fun to be around. So. We'll laugh with you and Laura in 40 yeah, years. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would love that. I hope I'm still laughing in 40 <laughs> yeah. years, too. But uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us on the Why God Why podcast. Great to have you here. Thanks for sticking around to the very bitter end. Hey, as always, check us out online, would you? WhyGodWhyPodcast.com. Or you can check us out on Instagram. Uh, Peter's always posting things on there. It's really good. He's he's like the Instagram aficionado. And uh, Facebook, all the social media, the Twitter, the whatever the kids are using these days. Are the kids on MySpace? I can't remember. Anyway, uh, I, I would just suggest you check us out on there as Peter always likes to remind you, please give us a five-star review, would you? Please, pretty please. Come on, just go do it right now, pretty that, please. That's not desperate. I, I know, that's not, de- please, just, uh, just a five-star. Anyway, I hope you guys have a great day uh, and the relationships in your life flourish and grow. All right, we'll see you back here next time on Why God Why. Why God Why.